This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Hockey Central. It's just heard. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. It's a Flames game day. Calgary taking on the Vancouver Canucks. Puck drop at 8 o'clock. Pre-game goes at 7 on Sports at 960 with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius. Uh, and for the next hour here, we're going to do quite a bit teeing up this game. Uh, Satir Shah, host of Canuck Central on Sports at 650 in Vancouver, is going to join the show here shortly. We'll tee up the game tonight, again, between the Flames and Canucks. Uh, and then Anthony Stewart is going to join us later in the hour. He's a former NHLer, current analyst on Sportsnet. He's going to be on Wednesday night hockey this evening on Sportsnet for the Flames Canucks game. So we'll get his take on the matchup and talk a little bit about the upcoming Stewart night where he and his brother Chris are going to be honored by their former junior team, the Kingston Frontenacs. Their jerseys are going to be going up into the rafters later in 2023 i believe it's early in january uh before all that and before we get into the game i do want to talk you know some big news last night in the nhl alexander ovechkin went into the washington capitals game against chicago blackhawks last night needing three goals to hit the 800 mark uh what does he do gets a hat trick against chicago he now joins wayne gretzky and gordy howe as the only players to hit the 800 goal mark in their careers. Uh, the NHL posted a pretty cool graphic actually on Twitter uh, with all the goalies that Ovechkin has scored on en route to 800. There was 165 goalies on that list. If you scroll through, you can see Dan Vladar and Jacob Markstrom and obviously dozens, dozens more. I think I saw Kevin Weeks on there. So it can be a fun, kind of a fun trip if you want to zoom in and scroll around on the graphic that was on NHL PR this morning after he hit that milestone last night. Uh, one goal on Thursday for Ovechkin against the Dallas Stars, and he will tie Gordie Howe's 801 goals, two to pass, which would give Ovechkin sole possession of the second all-time leading scorer in NHL history. Wayne Gretzky, of course, is number one with 894 goals. I guess the question for the text line, it's open, 960-960, as always. Join in the conversation with me here on Hockey Central. Will Ovechkin get there? I think we've been – it's been kind of fun – tracking this and i wonder if we're going to get tired of it at some point uh tracking how it's just been this untouchable record nobody nobody's going to get to gretzky and then it starts to become a thing we're saying like maybe he will and, it, and it's just kind of slowly become this maybe more realistic question will alex ovechkin hit wayne gretzky's goal scoring record again that's 894 Ovechkin is at 800 right now. He's in year two of a five-year contract that he signed, obviously, a couple years ago. And the Washington Capitals owner, I was looking around and I found a quote, him talking about how the team is not going to rebuild while Ovechkin chases the record. So there's a, there's some stuff going on here that should allow him to, to do this. Obviously, the question is, can he keep up this kind of production? Can, and can he stay healthy? Can he stay at his top of his game? Let me know what you think on the text line 960-960. Will Alex Ovechkin get close to Wayne Gretzky? Will he pass Wayne Gretzky? Is this just a silly thing that we talk about on the radio while we wait for our guests to come on? Let me know what you think. Uh, let, moving on before we talk to Sat, uh, let's go over a couple game day notes. 
from the morning skate, Mackenzie Wieger and Elias Lindholm were both on the ice uh, after missing Monday's game in Montreal. Chris Tanev was not on the ice. Daryl Sutter said after the morning skate that Tanev is day-to-day. Uh, and that thankfully there was no fracture where he was hit with the puck, whether that was the jaw, the skull, exactly where we're talking about the fracture is unclear. Um, so I don't want to speculate based on just what I saw in the game, but obviously good news there that there's no fracture. Chris Tanev day to day. Jacob Markstrom is your projected starter after a great game the other night in Montreal. And, you know, obviously he built off of, a solid start in Columbus. Looks like Matthew Phillips is going to come out of the lineup. Redeem Zahorna stays in. He'll center the fourth line with Brett Ritchie and Trevor Lewis. Milan Lucic sits again. The rest of the forward lines look pretty much the same. Uh, Zadorov and Uyghur paired together again with Tanev not on the ice at morning skate. This morning, um, Calgary playing a Vancouver team whose season has been pretty much defined by inconsistency, some drama. It's been a very Jekyll and Hyde season. Uh, This is a Vancouver Canucks team that obviously had a very difficult start to the season. Uh, They they hit uh, 500 for the first time last week. They had a blowout game against the Vegas Golden Knights. They, They frustrated the Colorado Avalanche. But, you know, they also had the start of the season where they gave up plenty two goal leads lost a ton of games and there's been a ton of drama with the Canucks. Um, One thing that's a big takeaway lately, Elias Pettersson looks like a superstar. That's someone who the flames are going to have to look out for tonight. Probably somebody that Michael Backlund is going to match up against quite a bit uh, from the morning skate lines. It looks like Backlund was with Blake Coleman and Adam Razichka. So we can probably expect those guys to, to log some pretty, Heavy and important minutes at five on five against the Vancouver Canucks best player right now. So let's go and get a local take. Let's scout the enemy here. Uh, so let's go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. We have uh, Sat Shaw, host of Canucks Central on Sports at 650 in Vancouver. Sat, how's it going? Um, I'm doing well. How about yourself? It's a, it's a sunny day in Vancouver today. Not not too cold. I can oh. not too see the mountains from where I'm at. So it's it's a lovely day. We usually get lots of cloud and and yeah. rain. So when I get to boast about sun, <laughs> the sun sunlight, late fall, <laughs> I will. Okay. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> I uh, I I actually had a. I was flying by the seat of my pants this afternoon because I had to watch the whole game because I'm a big football mm-hmm. fan. So I was watching mm-hmm. France. Morocco and you know texting my producers like yeah, yeah I'll be on in a second I'll be on in a second and then I'm getting everything <laughs> set up my headphones are all tangled and my microphone's not working it's cutting a little bit close but I'm good now France is through and I'm a big France football fan so it's a good day for good. me now I mean Morocco made it interesting late they were pushing they were pushing yeah. they had a couple moments so it was it the was, near uh, bicycle kick goal was spicy Ooh. yeah it's got a little heat in the end too I just, yeah, I yeah, needed no, a France-Argentina final. Uh, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be insufferable on Sunday at 10 a.m., which is 10 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Oh, man. See, this is where I find Pacific time is, like, not a great sports-watching time zone because that yeah, game's up. That's, that's too early. Are you going to get up at mm-hmm. 7 to watch World Cup final? I don't think I have a choice. I haven't missed the World Cup <laughs> final for as long as I can, I, I can remember. Yeah. So I don't think I have a choice. I don't have a choice in the matter. And I'm just getting yeah. over 
catching the flu too. So um, my partner is not going to be happy with me, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Set the alarm. Yeah. So anyways, let's get into this matchup tonight. Calgary Flames taking on the Vancouver Canucks tonight. The The Canucks are six and four in their last 10. Um, they mm-hmm. hit below, they're just below 500. They hit 500 actually last week for the first time this season. They're looking better, relatively speaking, you know, to the beginning of the season. So what do you make, Sad, of the Canucks' recent form? Uh, I mean, they've been bad, but they've found a way to pick up a lot of points. And, okay, I, I am being a bit unfair because they, you know, they, they have the, the two really impressive wins. I mean, it's the two, if you want to point to something like, hey, your best performances all year, there were two that happened. It was on the road, the first one in Colorado, where they came back in the third to win. And like a... a an impressive victory. I know the Avs had injuries when McKinnon was playing. Ranson had a couple goals. It's not like they didn't have those guys. And McCarr was obviously doing his thing. And they outplayed the Avs and, and won. And then they beat the biggest hold tonight on the road too. They just they were up they were up five not five nothing at one point. They were really good to start and they they took that one running away. And you know those were actually really strong performances. Now looking back at how they've played, if you want to be cynical, you can say well those two teams took them lightly. And if you look, kind of look back at it, they didn't show a lot of energy when the Canucks, you know, kind of were playing against them. So when they were playing against the Canucks, so they didn't take them seriously. So they've honestly played really poorly. And it has been better to some extent, but you can also make the case that they were actually playing better hockey earlier this season when they were jumping out to those leads and they were outchancing the opponent. And then losing those leads, and it was bad because they lost it and we criticized them for it. But if you want to talk about the process getting to the lead and looking like a good hockey team, I thought that was a better period of how they played versus how they're playing now but getting results. And that kind of shows you how hockey can be, right? Yeah. Sometimes you get results. It goes, but it evens out over the year. And I think it's fair the Canucks are just under 500 because to me, on the totality, they're a team, they've shown to be a 500 hockey team. And their biggest problem is they, they, they don't play with the – we'll see tonight, but I think what you'll notice is they don't play with the same type of urgency you would expect from a team that's in the situation that they're in. Right, right. I think one of the interesting things with the Canucks this season is, you know, I, I was reading something from from Thomas Drance, who has a show on, on your station as well, obviously a writer mm-hmm. at The Athletic, and, and he made this point, and it made, it's very interesting, like elite goaltending has become pretty common in Vancouver over the mm-hmm. last, what, 10, 15 years. Uh, Roberto Luongo, Thatcher Demko was great last year. Obviously, Jacob Markstrom had a great season in Vancouver. That was always kind of a, a it seemed like a constant for the Canucks. This season, mm-hmm. though, Thatcher Demko off to a really tough start. Uh, Spencer Martin's numbers, I mean, he's been a serviceable backup, but his numbers in relief of Thatcher Demko, who's out with injury right now, haven't been great. How are you seeing the team kind of adjust and, and work around, you know, suboptimal goaltending this season? Well, well, the, the issue I think is they're they're not doing a good enough job of trying to overcome subpar goaltending because they're so permissive as a team and they have they they can't really defend the way other teams can like you know the way you have the way Calgary can at least with guys like Chris Tanev, you have Rasmus Anderson, they know how to defend in zone for the most part, right. and they do a really good job of doing so, right? The Canucks get lost consistently. Now, part of that could be the new system they're trying to play. I know the players have 
bemoaned it from time to time about how they're still adjusting to how they're trying to play man-to-man at some situations, and especially how that changes when defenders come down towards uh, below the goal line and get involved and how that switches things. And they, they have new rules that I think have really confused them defensively to some extent. So I think that does come into the equation. But overall, it's a team that has really poor habits defending-wise. Like, you see them being on the wrong side of the puck a lot when they're defending. You, you see them having sticks in the wrong lanes a lot, not boxing guys out. And those are simple hockey things that, to some extent, just come down to effort and how, how focused are you on your details and playing hockey and, and trying to win. And some of it comes down to, like, are you just incapable of doing so? I refuse to believe you're incapable of doing simple things in the National Hockey League like that. Like, I refuse to believe that, that these players don't know how to box somebody out in front of the net. It just comes down to how willing are you to do so and, and why, you know, hasn't the leadership or hasn't there been enough accountability on the team for that to be a standard that they should uphold. Players mm-hmm. talk about holding themselves to high standards, but they, they obviously haven't. We're 28 games into the season, and it's a problem pretty much every single game. So right. I, I think that's a big problem, right? So goaltending is an issue, but when you're playing that way, it's, it goes beyond just, you know, goaltending being a big problem. And if you want to be fair to Spencer Martin, because I'm with you, because I don't think he's been all that great. And people make the case that, hey, he's been better than Thatcher Demko. But to me, it's like, <laughs> look at the numbers. It's not it's not great, right? But, right. you know, guys like Kevin Woodley from Ingle and, and he getting some numbers from Claire Scythe Analytics show that he's kind of been average. It's, it's not it's been something so bad that his numbers actually – should have looked worse than they are. You know, you know what I mean? And they've been really right. bad. And, and that's kind of yes. the big problem here too. It's like the environment has been bad and a goaltending obviously hasn't been able to overcome the environment or at least give it a chance for most nights. And that's a, that's a tough thing to expect from, you know, a guy who should just kind of be your serviceable backup for Thatcher mm-hmm. Demko, right? Like it's, it's not for, for the backup to consistently try to overcome difficult goaltending environments. Some of the things you mentioned, though, Sat, in terms of, um, you know, boxing out and all the little things, playing hard on, on a nightly basis, it seems like those are the kind of things that has really made Luke Shen a popular guy in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but like the fights and the leadership and everything else that he brings. So much so that I saw some fans saying like, you know, don't trade him. You know, you might get you might mm. get a decent pick at the deadline for, for Shen this season, but don't do it because you're going to lose too much. How valuable is he to the Canucks right now? And, and do you think he's a guy who can probably pull something pretty good at the deadline for them? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have all the respect in the world for Luke Shen. I, I can't say enough good things about Luke Shen, not only as a hockey player, which we'll get to, but, but as a person. Like, you're, you talk about a guy who was told by a coach at one point when he was sent to the AHL that he should look to do something else, like just retire from the game. Hit the soil in the mire and minus for a couple of years. And now he's back playing the best hockey of his life at the age of 33. Like, what can we say about that? And legitimately, he's playing well. I mean, he, he's been absolutely relentless with, with, with his work in the off seasons, working with guys like Adam Oates on his conditioning, getting quicker, even just 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 slightly quicker, being better on his edges, and just the, the work he's also done with his puck skills. He's got a couple goals this year, and those goals were just you know lucky goals. It was you know him doing the right thing, getting pucks on net with good velocity and and knowing what he's doing. He's done a good job of doing that this season but also making that first pass out of his own end. 
he's so good at finding the open man. And he's so good at just getting the puck over to Quinn Hughes to do everything that he needs to do. But he makes almost no mistakes. Sure, every once in a while somebody does. It happens in hockey. You know, everybody makes the odd mistake in hockey. But he's a really clean player. He doesn't get beat wide that often because he's good at maintaining his gap. He's done, he does a really good job of not losing leverage, even when he is uh, defending in transition. I think stuff like that. It, it are the key areas where you can get exposed and he doesn't get exposed. So I look at Luke Shen and I think a team can not only bring him in to play, you know, a third pair role, but if he had to come in and play a top four role for a team in the playoffs, if need be and play 20, 22 minutes because of injuries, he could easily handle that and be completely fine, especially in playoff hockey. So I think any team that gets Luke Shen is looking at getting a real quality player, someone who can play top four minutes for you in the postseason, if need be. And, not only give you, you know, break-even hockey, but actually help you out with everything he provides. If you can get that for a second or a third-round pick, which I think is probably the value, maybe a third, he could be one of the steals of the deadline. Oh, for sure. He's almost your, like, how many teams at the deadline are looking to get a guy who can do that? They can kind of move up and down the D pair. You know, you can slot Mm -hmm. him in the third pair. He can step up if you have an injury on the second pair, whatever it needs to be. Uh, he's kind of versatile in that sense. He kind of plays low event hockey. He's physical. He mm-hmm. kills penalty, veteran leadership. You know, he's got the personality, et cetera. He's got the winning pedigree. He's uh, looks like a pretty valuable trade chip for, for the Vancouver Canucks right now. But I think the one everyone's talking about um, when it comes to trades or when it comes to <laughs> speculation around a contract, <laughs> so much so that the team makes a statement on behalf of Bo Horvat is, is Bo Horvat. Um, I heard Earth on your show talking earlier about how the Canucks made him an offer and then Frank Saravalli on the morning show on uh, Sports at 650 talking about how a team might be willing to pay Horvat something that starts with a nine. Like, what is your take on, on what's going on with Bo Horvat and the Canucks? Oh, man, it's uh, it was actually yeah. nice not, not talking about Bo for a few minutes. But uh, you, I you know, know it, I'm it, sorry. I waited. Yeah. I, I was I was, no, no, waiting. was, I was kind of, you know, <laughs> bluffing. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was fantastic. It was great. I, I forgot about Bo Horvat for a few minutes. It was great. But no, I mean, it, obviously, it's a big story. And, you know, we'll still talk about it today. So it's not like I'm trying to avoid the, the topic in, in, in any way. But my sense, like Earth mentioned, is the Canucks have made an offer, but it's not the type of offer people may think when they first heard that it could be a max term type of deal, a seven to eight year contract offer. And hey, it's a lot of money. We're talking about a Nazem Kadri type of contract, something around 49 million. But given the type of tear that he's on and the risk that he's taken to get to this point, where you're looking at your, you know, your your 56 games away or 54 games away from potentially getting yourself to free agency, that why would you take a deal that's fair right now when you can play this out a little bit? And I think that's part of it. And I think if you break, take away all the emotion, take away everything that's going on with the with the statement and everything. If you just look at it from a simple. Um, from a simple uh, strategic standpoint and everything they've done to this stage, why would you take that contract when you know in free agency, you're probably looking at at least 52 million, 53 million, maybe 55, 56, right? Like right. if you're, if somebody wants to give you say eight times seven or eight, eight million per year over seven years, which I think is potentially out there for them. So why takes five to six, seven million less right now when you've already come this far? So I think, 
if the Canucks make him the type of offer they made JT Miller, Bo's going to sign it because I think it's just too much to pass up and, and to be in Vancouver despite everything that's kind of happened. But it just kind of shows that the Canucks haven't yet made their best offer and they're still hoping that somebody's willing to pay, pay a certain price in trade. But obviously none of that's happened yet. And I think this is probably going to drag on for a couple of months. And I think we'll be sitting here and talking about this probably around the All-Star break and potentially then another push being made, whether it's to really see if you can make a trade. But I think they're going to make another type of offer. But I think it just comes down to both looking at a situation and saying, I've gotten to this stage, so why not wait a bit longer to see if these guys pay up? Or mm-hmm. I get the free agency and I get everything I want. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's got all the control of the situation. Why not? Why not use it to your advantage, especially when it comes to mm-hmm. how much money you're going to be making and, and obviously checking out and seeing how the rest of the season goes in Vancouver, too. I'm sure that's part of it. Um, it's your long term future. It's your life. He's got to figure out what's going on here uh, in the short and the long term. I feel bad throwing a couple trade questions at you because it's. December. No, no, I love it. <laughs> the no, deadline love, is no, honestly, pretty I love far. The trade talk. It's great. No, no, I wish, I wish <laughs> we made more trades in the NHL. I love trade living because he's made a bunch of trades I recently. Know. I know he has to, but. Yeah. Like it's great. I, I love I love trades. You need to make more trades. I hate the I fact know. that in hockey people get so upset about trade talk. Like it's it's okay. It's not a big deal. I know. I know. It makes uh, it fun anyways, sometimes. Yeah. I think the last other one, you know, last week at least, the the big circulation in this market was, you know, that the Calgary Flames had, you know, reportedly expressed some interest in Brock Besser. How realistic is that there's a Besser move before the trade deadline, regardless of Calgary's involvement? Is he somebody that that you think would be on the move? Uh, I think, I mean, I just think it comes down to if he can play better and if he plays well enough where a team not only says, hey, we'll take him on and give you the, 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 uh, the monitor relief you want, but we also are willing to give you something whether it's a second round pick or something of that equivalent i think they they still don't want to give brock besser away but the way besser is playing i mean i can totally understand why teams are looking at and saying hey retain some salary or we're not giving you much we just give you a straight dump to make this deal right now like for instance uh, the deal everybody talks about with calgary and maybe just milan lucic just for besser straight up and that's it. And I don't think Vancouver's at a stage yet where they're willing to do that. If somebody gives them a second round pick and is willing to take on Besser, I think they'll make that deal tomorrow. But I'm not sure anybody's done that yet. And right. um, I think ultimately the Canucks may have to wait until the off season to do a deal like that when there's more money available potentially and where when teams get into different binds when guys leave and they're looking to make perhaps a value bet on a guy on the last year of his deal and then potentially going to be an RFA. So or has two years left and it's going to be an RFA at the end of it and has some level of control. I think at that point, maybe it's more palatable for somebody to give you a second or a couple of thirds or something to make it happen. So I think that's just the question. Like Calgary, if Calgary offers offers a second round pick in Milan Lucic, I think the Canucks would do that deal, for instance. Okay, interesting. I think that's good to know. We've got weeks and weeks to continue to dissect that. Uh, But I want to go back a little bit to the game here. Obviously, Flames... Canucks uh, puck drop at eight o'clock, seven o'clock Pacific for you in Vancouver. Is this the season for Elias Pettersson that we've been waiting for? Ooh, I, I, honestly, I, I think it's close. I think there's more. I, I, I think that I, I think Ooh. there's still um, still at least one to two more levels in this game. 
And okay. I, yeah, so I, I, so I stopped short of saying yes in, in terms of, oh, this is what we've been waiting for. I think we've been waiting for him to level up and get himself back in the discussion because I think now he's on par with guys like Jack Eichel and in those types of players, like that's the level he's playing at. But still, given his age, given what he's done, given the fact that he can still fill into his frame and he can still work on certain parts of his game still, despite the fact that he's so freaking good, but he's still raw in many ways, despite being as good as he is. And, and I say that watching him every day and seeing his game and, and seeing all the things he's capable of, but also seeing the areas where his game is, is somewhat still lacking, but is going to get better just by virtue of him filling into his frame. And he's one of those guys that's going to take a little bit longer. It will, it'll never be the biggest guy. And some guys just kind of built in that way. But he hasn't yet grown into his frame fully. And when he does that, because he's still six foot two, and when he can lean on guys a bit more, I think there's another level he can take. But he's just a phenomenal talent. And I know got people will say, hey, you know, I'm being a homer about Pedersen and all that, and I've hyped him a lot over the years. But he's a phenomenal hockey player. He really is. Like, there really isn't much he can't do and he's not capable of. People said he can't kill penalties. I mean, he's the team's best forward penalty killer-wise. Him and McKayev right now, you can make the case. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. he can play a shutdown role and excel into it. He can score in the power play. He scores at even strength at one of the highest rates in the league. I mean, he does everything, and he can still do everything he does even better as time goes on. So, yes, I think it's the type of leveling up we've been waiting for, but I, I don't think we've even seen his peak yet. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, before you came on, I was talking about how this is going to be a guy that the Flames obviously need to to keep an eye out for. This would have been someone we probably would have seen a lot of Chris Tanev matching up against. He's not going to be mm-hmm. in the game tonight. He's day to day after taking a puck up high against Montreal, but probably a Michael Backlund, Blake Coleman uh, matchup situation for the Flames and Elias Pettersson. I, I saw a tweet from you from 2017 that got retweeted on my feed when I was prepping for the show about Pedersen, how he can get stronger and you can't teach those hands. Don't get too caught up with weight when it comes to teenage prospects. How good are you feeling about that resurfacing a little bit as Pedersen? I think there was a clip of him like out muscling someone the other day and obviously he had the, the oh, muscle yeah. in the hands and the play and everyone's like, oh yeah. I guess we overreacted to teenage Elias Pedersen being a little bit small. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, I just remember when... Um, especially a few years ago, like I, I was more focused on doing draft stuff. And, and before I moved over to Sportsnet uh, in, my, in my previous role, I was doing a scouting podcast with guys like Cam Robinson. I was a Canucks Army podcast with J.D. Burke. So we did a lot of scouting and we did a lot of watching a prospects and especially of that 2017 draft. And I remember watching loads of video of Elias Pettersson and fall in love with his game and saying that this guy's incredible. Like, why are we talking about this guy being, you know, a top 10, top five pick and eventually – uh, that ended up happening. But I just remember watching his game and and guys like Cam Rob said the same thing. Guys like JD, they all said the same thing about Pedersen. I mean, he's just an incredible talent. And if people don't think he's good because he's skinny or he's slight, like, don't worry about that. Like that, that's the last thing you should worry about considering how talented this guy is. And, you know, I, I think that was just evident in watching him back, back then when he was a teenager. And I think it's a lesson for all, like if a guy's tall enough and skilled enough, he will fill into his frame. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I let you go, Sat, is there anything else that Flames fans, listeners here on Sportsnet uh, 960 need to know from the Canucks side before this game against the Flames tonight? 
Uh, I'd say the only thing about Vancouver is their players, and you can say this is a bad thing. They're really they they really want to score goals in a selfish way. So as much okay. as the Canucks are, <laughs> they're selfish teams sometimes. They chase goals a lot, but that also keeps them in hockey games, right? So I think. Yeah. They're one of those frustrating teams. Like you'll be playing them, and you'll be like, "Hey, we're out playing these guys. This team looks like garbage with how they're playing. Why is it three three all of a sudden?" You know, like that happens <laughs> right. with this team. So, so I think that's the one thing to keep in mind. Despite everything about them, like JT can still score, Bo can still score a ton, and Pedersen's going to do his thing. So, they can be really annoying to play against in that way because they will. They win a lot of games where they have they have no business winning because they'll get two <laughs> chances and score two goals. I mean, that's just how they do. Things. And that is almost the exact opposite of what's happening with the Flames right now. I mean, Jacob Markstrom had two great games against Columbus and Montreal and no run support. That's been goal scoring consistently from high danger areas has been something we've talked about quite a bit on the show. We did it yesterday yeah. for a long time. So that should be an interesting uh, matchup tonight. Okay. My last one. Did you see this viral TikTok going around about JT Miller? <laughs> I need to talk oh, to someone about this. Okay, Did no, I haven't seen, seen that this? one yet. No, I don't know. Okay, so which one? Is it about the defensive play? or what, Yeah, what is yeah. It's the clip of the him turnover? saying to somebody saying, like, you can't make, turn the puck over like that in the national. You make too much money, bud. And then it like, oh, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I've seen cuts that to one. a yeah, clip yeah, of him turning the puck over <laughs> horrifically <laughs> against the Minnesota Wilds. <laughs> I thought Anyways. it was something new. That's the way I no. saw that one. I saw it on you. Oh, that, okay. that one is. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> it's, honestly it's hilarious because he, he's been the biggest culprit of it. But you know what? You know what the funniest thing about JT Miller is too. And I saw the athletic player card for him. Like he's everyone's like he's having such a horrible year. So many turnovers. And look at his plus minus is horrible. And then the market value for him is eight point four million. And, he, yeah. and he's making yeah. 5.25. And he's got and people are talking about how how he's overpaid. And it's like I get it. He's he's been bad, but I mean sometimes he's doing all right. Doesn't lie. He's, he's doing yeah. okay, but yeah, man, like, you know, every game is, every game's going to have two or three really cheesy JT Miller turnovers, so uh, we'll see what kind of, what type, we'll see which types, that, which, in which form they come tonight. They come everywhere. They come yeah. uh, on the power play, a backhand pass, which will lead to a shorthanded goal. It'll happen in his own zone, which will lead to a four-checker just putting it in. I mean, it's, it's remarkable the ways JT Miller finds a way to get a backhanded pass intercepted. <laughs> and we'll see if the Flames are able to to take the gift and, and turn it into actual production instead of, you know, expected goals and, and shot attempts. So we'll see how that goes tonight. Thanks so much, Seth. Hey, thanks, Haley. Good luck. All right. Uh, there goes Satir Shah, host of Connect Central on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. That conversation brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Coming up next on Hockey Central, we're going to talk to Anthony Stewart former NHLer, current analyst on Sportsnet. He will be up on Wednesday Night Hockey uh, and covering this game from the studio between the Flames and the Vancouver Canucks. We'll talk to Stewie next on Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Welcome back to the program. We're going to go right back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline here because we have Anthony Stewart, former NHLer, 
current analyst on Sportsnet. He will be on the broadcast tonight uh, between the Flames and the Canucks on Wednesday Night Hockey. Anthony, thanks for doing this. Got a busy late night, so thank you. Yeah, thanks it. a lot for having me. Yeah, currently at uh, Sportsnet Studios in Toronto, getting ready for Montreal and Ottawa, and then obviously the most important game of the night, uh, Vancouver versus uh, the Calgary Flames. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before we get into some of these games on Wednesday night, I want to say congratulations because the Kings and Frontenacs announced that you and your brother Chris are going to have your numbers raised in the building on January 14th. That's very exciting. How do, how do you feel? Like, did you know this was coming? I, I, take, how does this happen? Like, do you hear before the tweet comes out? Or was the tweet like your big announcement? And you're like, oh, wow, that's fun. How did this yeah, happen? It wasn't Congratulations. Like, it, it's not like the, thank you. It's not like the Hall of Fame where Landy McDonald calls you. We had someone from the Chiefs <laughs> call us uh, about a month ago and just explaining sort of the process and that they love to honor us. So it, it's funny because I'm good friends with Mike Zigamanis and you know, he was with Sportsnet last year and he's saying, hey, just letting you know, I was the last banner to be raised up into the stands there. And, you know, I was getting teased by uh, David Ling, a former teammate of mine, saying, hey, you know what? Uh, when I was there, they called it Linkston. So it's definitely a great uh, <laughs> accomplishment and something that you really don't think about until, you know, your career's done. But, uh, you know, those junior days that I had and, and playing in Kingston and playing for the World Juniors, those are moments that uh, I remember to this day and I cherish it very, very much. And I talk about my number one accomplishment was uh, getting my brother a tryout onto that Kingston Frontenacs team as, you know, he quit hockey, his OHL draft year, and decided to play football. So he went from football player uh, to walk on uh, with the Kingston Frontenacs to a first-round NHL draft pick to having a, you know, almost 700-game career. Uh, definitely a great accomplishment, and I'm excited to have a hand in that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, has this allowed you a moment of like reflection on, on your career and journey to the NHL and, and obviously being able to do it with your brother? Yeah, you definitely reflect. And, you know, I've been for the last couple of years, I've been like, hey, I need some highlight tapes. I need some videos. And they were like, yeah, we'll get around <laughs> to it. So I think now they actually owe me a highlight tape because, you know, you're scoring a lot of goals there. You know, I scored over 100 goals there and, uh, you know, playing, uh, you know, we played together with my brother for a little bit too. So just, you know, we don't really have a lot of pictures together, you know, on the bench or in practice. So I'm definitely excited to get my hands on those because now it's a little bit more nostalgic seeing that I played there almost uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, right. Uh, well, moving on to, to Wednesday Night Hockey, you said you've got Montreal, Ottawa before the 10 o'clock game. So, so let's just start there. I mean, Cole Caulfield is available for the Montreal Canadiens um, after the collision against Calgary and Trevor Lewis. The other day, um, no Tim Stutzla, that adds to the kind of injury list for the Ottawa Senators already without Josh Norris. Um, how do you look at this matchup between these two teams tonight? Well, I think it's a big, big match uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, I think everyone's thinking that they're in the Connor Bedard uh, sweepstakes, but again, they wouldn't sign Jake Allen to a three-year extension. And, you know, they, they still have some major pieces that they're holding on to right now. So as it currently stands, you know, they're uh, five points behind the uh, New York Rangers with two games in hand. So, you know, they're not they're not out of this playoff race. So it's a big, big two points uh, for them as well, too. And we're looking at the Ottawa Senators who, um, you know, their schedules are, quote-unquote, a little bit easier than some most uh, the next, uh, you know, eight to ten games. So they have a, a chance to turn it around. So I know you're looking at the standings, you're looking at the numbers and how many teams they have to jump over. Um, yeah. It, it, Winnable games that I think that, you know, they're, they're not just turning over. And you're seeing DJ King, you know, he's getting the most out of this group. It's a young, young group with the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, they have some great, great 
pieces as well too to bring cats playing some better hockey as of late i think he's got three goals in his last five games six game goal six game point streak uh Giroux mm-hmm. doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon so uh you know talking about both these teams it's it's great hockey it's exciting hockey and i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of viewers tonight uh, tuning in yeah, I mean, uh, going into the season, I think one of the the storylines I was most excited to watch throughout the year was going to be how the Eastern Conference shakes out. And so far, it's kind of delivered because you've got some teams like Montreal who's who are up there. You've got some teams who are underperforming. I mean, when you're looking at the kind of top half of of the divisions or the Eastern Conference, I mean, things are pretty close. Things are things are interesting right now in the Eastern Conference. I think you've got some interesting stuff going on in the West, but I, uh, I've been love following what's going on in the Metro and the Atlantic so far this season. Yeah, I want to see your pre-season picks there. I don't think you had Boston or New Jersey. I didn't either. I thought New Jersey would be, uh, you know, probably where Washington is sitting in ninth. And I've been waiting for the Boston Bruins to come down to earth now, I think, since before the pandemic. So, again, I yeah. thought uh, the Panthers would be a lot better than they are. I know Tampa Bay, they don't like to put their foot on the gas too much until near the end of the season. Islanders are doing a little bit better. Carolina's where they should be. So, it's great, great hockey, and, and every game is, is an exciting game in, in the East for sure. I've got to pull mine up. I've got to find them, but I'm definitely – I've been one of those ones, you know, kind of like Greg Wyshynski, who the last three years, like, give them goaltending, and the Devils are going to be here. And so I think, you know, this was the this is the year for me after saying it for, you know, two, three years in a row. Like, this is this is the year for the Devils, and – so I will say that I, I'm pretty sure I had them as a playoff team. I'll have to go back and check, but who's who knows? I think I did have – I did, I will say, in the West, I had Winnipeg making the playoffs over Vancouver. So Ooh, I'm feeling pretty I smart that, with I that, that I said that last year, and um, I, I think my Twitter mentions just died down uh, probably like last week. I, I mentioned that they didn't, they didn't think they were going to make it last year. I said, I don't think they have the depth, and – you know, Demko might get a little bit tired of playing too many games, and uh, I was right. But uh, I think right now with Vancouver... <laughs> and then you got yelled at, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have an opportunity to jump back into this as well, too. They're only a couple points out, too, with a, a game or two in hand on some teams as well, too. So it, it's good because we're going into Christmas and the new year, and, you know, there's not many teams that are completely out of it, right? So it, yeah. it makes for good games, exciting matchups, and good talking points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Flames Canucks tonight, two teams that are kind of in the mushy middle of the league right now. They're not out of it, but they're not completely dominating. I think most people would agree that the Flames are a better team than the Vancouver Canucks, especially if Jacob Markstrom regains his form. I mean, what do you make of this matchup tonight between these two teams? Well, I think everybody in Calgary Flameland was sort of waiting for, you know, Markstrom to sort of, uh, you know, get back into the mix here. And uh, and last night, last game uh, against Montreal is any indication. I think it's going to be good that they're going to have a two-headed monster in between the pipes. But uh, Markstrom played amazing, 37 saves the other night. And seems like he's regaining his old form. And, you know, I, I really like the approach where you ride the hot hand and you create that competition because it makes the team better. So I think there's nothing wrong with him sitting for a little bit, watching, regaining his confidence, getting back to the basics in practice, going over through some video. But what I really like about that, he seems like he was genuinely happy and excited for Ladar's success. I know there's a competition and sometimes can get a little bit uh, uh, tumultuous when, uh, you know, one guy grabs it from the other guy. But there's a genuine... Uh, you know, I see, uh, for lack of better words, almost love between the two, which is good to see. And that just shows how good of a team mm-hmm. that this group is. So 
again, yeah. the, the road trip, you know, back-to-back overtime uh, losses here. So hopefully they don't take any more penalties in overtime, right, wrong, <laughs> or indifferent. But uh, it's good to see that some players are starting to heat up there uh, with uh, with the Flames. Or Huberto starting to play some better hockey as well, too. Toffoli's playing well. Anderson's been having an amazing year so far. Kadri's at yeah. 21 points this year as well, too. So, again, on paper, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup. And, uh, again, there's ups and downs. And just seems like that this first quarter of the season, they're – sort of riding that down. But again, they're too good of a team to be where they are right now. And I'm sure they'll be turning it around a lot sooner than later. Yeah, Rasmus Hansen played 31 and a half minutes against Montreal the other day with Chris Tanev going out and Mackenzie Weger missing the game. So he's he's stepping up in a big way for the Calgary Flames so far. So you picked the Flames to win the cup, but didn't you? <laughs> who was your Vesna pick again? Are you laughing at my pick? I knew you were going to bring that up, but like I said, so I just well because you tweet about it every time. It. Like if he makes a save, it's like you like tweet like the highlight. You're one of the like Twitter that. trolls, eh? I know you're. I know you're under your ghost account chirping me every day, but I pick I pick Jack Campbell, and again, that's why I'm out of the prediction business. And you know, I'm seeing everyone. Oh, you picked Jack Campbell. You don't know what you're talking about. But I'm saying, hey, that was not a bad pick. They brought him in to no, be the guy. Wasn't. They were with Koskinen. Smith was not doing so well as well too. So. The you know it was indicating that he was going to come in and signing that big ticket, the team doing a little bit better on defense, paying a little bit more attention to detail, that that was a possibility. Obviously, it was completely wrong, but you know you really <laughs> feel for Jack Campbell. But he did get a win last night, which is good. Yeah. But uh, again, the I think you know he's a lot better than what he's showing right now. But again, you get some picks right and you get some picks really really wrong, and uh, I'm not afraid to wear that. Yeah, I think I had to throw this one at you because I will always remember this. I think it was the first time I went when you were hosting Hockey Central with Justin Bourne a couple of years ago. And I was yeah. done my hit. Everything goes well. And we're about to end. And you go, actually, you know what, Haley? Tell me the team. Rank all the Canadian teams right now. No prep. Go. And I was like, oh, my God, this I is not happening. That. I don't I know. Think. So I just had yeah, to bring that I remember up. that. So we're even now. Yeah. We're even now. We're friends even. Yeah, but that's yeah. I didn't forget. I was mortified. I came off that being like, oh my god, what did I just say? That was so. Oh my amazing. god. So I was in Toronto, but like Jets fans are probably. Oh, oh my god, this is not happening right now. So oh. I wrote that down in my prep. I remembered. So you got me. it's okay. You got me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a couple other ones I want to throw at you, Anthony. Before we let you go, I was talking about Alex Ovechkin before you came on the show off the top he hits 800 last night uh, I opened up the text line 960 960 to hear what uh, fans and listeners have to say some of them do believe that he will pass Wayne Gretzky what do you think do you think Ovechkin has the the years and the form and the health to to do it what I, I mean to do what most people thought was an untouchable uh, record in the league um, I say yes. I don't think it's a matter of uh, if, but uh, when. And I actually predicted, I think it was last year, one of the predictions that may come true, one of my few, is that I think he might yeah. do it before his uh, 40th birthday. So he's oh, okay. more seasons after this year, too. And, um, you know, funny thing is he scored probably about 200 of those against the teams that I've played for over the years. I played in the oh, Southeast no. Division, the Florida Panthers, <laughs> Atlanta Thrashers, where I think he scored his most goals uh, against <laughs> Uh, and uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. So he lit me up, and I had a front-row seat for a lot of those goals. And, you know, I always talk about the enthusiasm. I've never seen someone have such an enthusiasm to score goals where, you know, his his 455th is the same celebration as his first. This guy genuinely wants to score goals. And, you know, even in practice, you know, he, he loves celebrating scoring goals in practice. So whether or not he breaks it, which I think he does, you know, to do it in this era with these goaltenders, and we've seen some big, big guys, 
uh, over the years. You're seeing Markstroms and you're seeing the Pecorines and you're seeing some great goaltenders in that Southeast division. Uh, Bokun, Luongo, Cam Ward, you know, over the years, Craig Anderson in Ottawa, seeing some great goaltenders just for him to light them up like no one's business. Um, uh, I think he's going down as the greatest of all time. And, you know, people forget how big he is, too. He's 6'2", 240 pounds, unofficially flying up and down the ice. He's almost yeah. like a superhero there, too. So it's great to be a part of that and see that. Uh, uh, but I actually think in my first game, I was uh, second star and he was third. So I actually have the game sheet signed. <laughs> at least, hey, I was better than him. Uh, according to whoever's picking the stars for at least one game in my career. Ah, that's amazing. That's so funny. And you still have that and you got it signed by Ovechkin? No, it's signed by me. No, he didn't want to sign it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go. <laughs> amazing. I, uh, it's so funny. The first time I saw him like in person, uh, I was just floored. Like you, you know, he's a big guy. You see the stat line, but it's another thing to see him equipment off, just walking around at the rink. And you're like, oh my gosh, like this guy is a fridge. And he's like, you said, he flies around, he, he rips a shot. I'm like, oh, oh my God. The, that was one of the ones for me. You don't get starstruck uh, in this business anymore because you're trying to be professional and you've got a job to do. But I think the first time I saw Ovechkin in person, I was like, oh my God. It was like a very jarring experience for me. I don't use the term aura too much, but he has a he has an aura around him, which is which is yeah. great. And to see that over the years, I'm I'm definitely the, uh, grateful to have a front row seat for a lot of that. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Anthony, for for joining and and have fun and good luck with the with Wednesday night hockey and the broadcast tonight. All right, thanks a lot. Go Flames, go. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. I say good luck uh, because of the predictions and in, in the broadcast. So there goes Anthony Stewart on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. That conversation brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Uh, that's all we got for today. Calgary Flames taking on the Vancouver Canucks tonight at 8 o'clock, the pregame goes at 7 p.m. You can watch the game uh, on Sportsnet, as we just heard from Anthony Stewart on Wednesday Night Hockey. He will be on that broadcast at the intermissions. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to our producers, Taylor and Cameron. No Logan Gordon today. He's slacking. He's probably just, you know, working the game, working the intermissions, whatever it may be. But uh, I'll be back tomorrow with you on Hockey Central, and we'll we'll get into the game. We'll see how it goes tonight, Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan.